When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. Don't forget that you can also find us over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 157 of Sorta Awesome. And speaking of our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, I just want to give a big wave to all of the members of our Sorta Awesome Hangout community. If you haven't joined us over there, maybe it's because you've been in Facebook groups before that turned out to be not so awesome. Maybe they were a little bit difficult with the dynamics or maybe it just wasn't useful or helpful in your life. If that is the case, I just want to encourage you to come on over to the Hangout group on Facebook and give us a try. If you've been skeptical about it, just try us for a few weeks and see why we are always bragging about, talking about, just like shouting from the rooftops how awesome our sort of awesome Hangout group is. In that group, we give advice, we get feedback, we congratulate each other, we hold each other's hands through big things and and even some of the small things in life. It's so awesome. And I feel like we just never can say that enough. So if you're part of the Hangout group, give yourself a big squeeze from all of us on the Sort of Awesome team. And if you have not joined us over there, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sort of Awesome Hangout. Okay, this is episode 157 of Sort of Awesome. I'm joined today by my dear friend, the always fun, always funny co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of simplyrebecca.com. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Meg. Hi, Awesomes. I am literally beaming with excitement. (laughs) I know. On a scale of one to 10, your excitement level about this episode is like, I don't know. Turned up to 100. Yeah, 123. (laughs) I got to tell you, Meg, have no doubt I am here for the right reasons. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Great. Awesome. So in case you haven't guessed or seen by the title of today's episode, today we are doing a deep dive discussion about all of the love and the heartbreak of the Bachelor franchise. Rebecca is about to fall out of her chair with excitement, you guys. Seriously, (laughs) awesome. 
I have been waiting my whole life for this moment and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> now that it is here, I'm like, this, this is what has been missing in my life. <laughs> Finally, Meg is allowing me to gush yeah. on and on and on about The Bachelor. It. I mean, you know, I do it enough in the regular episodes, but it's right. official today. It's official. So excited. It's our big, big deep dive. So yes, we're going to be talking about trauma and scandal and backstage secrets from all of the Bachelor Nation. Really, it's quite timely because we just wrapped up season 14 of The Bachelorette, Becca's season of The Bachelorette, which I mentioned as an awesome of the week earlier this summer. So I watched the whole season. Of course, Rebecca watched the whole season. Parents, if you listen with your kids, usually maybe save this one for later. Some of the conversation might cover some of the steamier parts of the Bachelor franchise. We're just going to be kind of talking about The Bachelor specifically, but also just guilty pleasure shows in general. We are going to get to all of that. Rebecca, hang on to your enthusiasm because, you know, first, <laughs> before we get there, we do have to go ahead and start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week, the moment in the show where we share with you what is making our lives a little bit more awesome this week, whether it is the season finale of The Bachelorette. <laughs> or podcasts, or music, or books, whatever it is that is bringing some awesome into our lives this week. So Rebecca, besides the season finale of The Bachelorette, what has been awesome for you this week? Well, here we are in the deep heat of the summer. Maybe your summer is winding up. Maybe your garden is falling apart. Or maybe you still are finding yourself absolutely flooded with zucchini. <laughs> oh, zucchini. It will take over your life in the summer if you have a garden, I feel like. It really can. There was one summer where I had literally over 50 zucchini. Like I picked 50 zucchinis from my plants. It was insane. And that summer I experimented with a lot of different zucchini recipes to try to figure out how in the world do I manage and what do I do with all the zucchini besides just like give it away. Yeah. And I have two fan fantastic zucchini recipes to get you through the end of summer here. So first of all, we're going to start with a zucchini herb casserole. I got this recipe from a blogging friend of mine at heydonna.com. This recipe, it's vegetarian, but it would be perfect as like a main dish, or you can even serve it as a side dish. And it's a little bit more involved than I tend to like my side dishes. So I really like to serve it with something really simple, like a grilled chicken and maybe an Italian marinade. And it's perfectly paired for that. So you have zucchini, you have garlic, you have basil, oregano, paprika, just a little bit of rice to kind of like hold everything all together. And then you have diced tomato. You can do that fresh or from a can to simplify things a little bit. And then lots of really good sharp shredded cheddar cheese. And the key here is you really want to get the sharp or extra sharp cheddar. Don't go for the mild. That really does make a difference. And it's fantastic. So you mix it all together, you bake it in the oven. And it's just delicious. Those herbs that are in there just really bring out a really great flavor. And this is something that is on my must to make list every single summer. That sounds incredible. I'm like, golly, I'm starving. <laughs> I could eat a whole, I could eat a not side dish serving size of that for sure. <laughs> it's really fantastic. And now here's a tip to kind of simplify things just a little bit, because I feel like it does kind of have some steps of like chopping the zucchini and then chopping the tomato if you use fresh tomato. It also calls for green onion, which honestly, you could leave that out if you're just like, hey, I'm getting overwhelmed. This is a little bit too much. You could throw in some regular onion, whatever, or just leave it out completely. 
but it calls for just a little bit of cooked rice. So here's my tip for you. The next time that you make rice as part of your dish, just hold some back, keeping this recipe in mind. And then that's just like one less thing that you have to do to prepare for this recipe. But I'm telling you, it's worth maybe a little bit extra effort. You know, simplify on the meat, the main dish maybe, and then this is worth the effort. Then my second zucchini recommendation here comes from Lynn's Kitchen Adventures, and this is a whole wheat chocolate zucchini muffin. They are so good, you guys, and they're like kind of healthy. So, you know, like you can feed them to your kids and not feel bad. It's not like you're giving them just like a piece of cake or something. They are so, dare I say the word? They're so moist. (laughs) Oh no, everyone just like cringed as you said it. But they are, like there's no other word for it. It calls for two and a half cups of shredded zucchini. And you guys, that just really just locks in the moisture. It's so soft and good. It has chocolate chips in it. It has, of course, the unsweetened cocoa powder in it. So it's this really, really good It's like a dessert muffin. They're fantastic. The recipe calls for half whole wheat flour and half white. You could do all white if it's all that you have on hand, or I don't know. I haven't experimented with all wheat, but you could try it. It also calls for some oil. I opt for a coconut oil to kind of up the healthiness factor of it, but any regular oil that you prefer would be great too. And, you know, they freeze well. They're not the prettiest muffin, okay? You're not going to get like the big dome on top like you do with some muffins. Sure. They're a little bit more on the flat side. But God makes bodies in all sizes and shapes, (laughs) and they're all good. We can celebrate them all. So like this zucchini muffin is worth celebrating despite its like short stubbiness. (laughs) You know, it's good. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All muffins are good muffins. So... (laughs) So we're going to have links, of course, to these recipes in the show notes. Again, it's a zucchini herb casserole. Thank you, Hey Donna, for that. And a chocolate whole wheat zucchini muffin. Thank you, Lynn's Kitchen Adventures, for that fabulous find. I don't know if it's because it's like 1245 and I haven't eaten lunch yet, but both of these things, I'm like, I wish I had those in my kitchen right now. Sound amazing. Thank you for those, Rebecca. Okay, my awesome of the week this week is an Etsy shop that I have actually been loving for a long time, for quite a while. And it just occurred to me this week, I've never really talked about this shop on the show, this artist and her work. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit this week. The name of the shop is Happy Little Lovelies. Again, it's on Etsy, and we will for sure have a link in the show notes for Happy Little Lovelies. But it's owned by, and the artist behind Happy Little Lovelies is a woman named Dana Hartness. She happens to be an awesome, someone who is part of our awesome community. And I started following her shop on Instagram, and she has her full Etsy shop, but then also she'll do these like flash sales on Instagram. Rebecca, I spend so much money every time she does one of her flash sales. <laughs> I'll be like, oh man, here we go. My PayPal is going to take a hit for sure. But I just love her work. It's totally my aesthetic. She does a lot of like natural stones and really pretty crystals and wooden beads. I love oh, a wooden bead. I do too. For sure. Uh, it brings out the hippie in me. I just can't turn yes. away from a good wooden bead. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for getting me. Yes. In fact, I'm wearing a necklace right now today 
My newest one from Happy Little Lovelies that I super love. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. It's a turquoise wooden bead necklace, multi-strand necklace. It's so lightweight. And Dana is also a mom. And I think she bears that in mind as she's creating her creations because nothing feels like super delicate. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, these might fall apart if my kids yank on them. In fact, I have two of her. She does these wooden bead wrap bracelets. So that it looks like a multi-strand bracelet. It's all one. You just wrap around your wrist. I love that. I love them and I wear them often to church and they're kind of fantastic because the twins will sit there and just kind of play with the beads on my bracelet during church. It's very quiet, keeps them busy, and it has held up to them basically, you know, like playing with it during church and I never have to worry about it bursting and, you know, like the beads going everywhere. They're super (laughs) well made. She does a lot of copper, a lot of hammered copper. I mean, she's just a fantastic artisan. Her work is so beautiful. It's extremely affordable, even though I do spend a lot of, because it's so, it's one of those things like it's so affordable. You're like, oh, I'll get this and this. And then you're like, oh man, I actually spent a lot of money. (laughs) But because of that, because I've been loving her shop so much, and I just in general am trying to do better about supporting like women-owned businesses and supporting art and artists, I actually put my Roxbox subscription on hold. I've talked about Roxbox as an Awesome of the Week. I've talked about it on the show before a subscription service where you can try out new jewelry every month. Well, I went ahead and put my rocks box on hold so that I could actually like use my dollars to support the beautiful art that's being created in the world right now. So I highly recommend Happy Little Lovelies on Etsy. Again, awesome owned. And we will have a link in the show notes for that if you all would like to check it out too. So don't forget that every Friday on both Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show and in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, We open up the floor for you guys to share with us your awesome of the week. What is awesome in your life? We always learn so much, find so many great finds and cheer you all on in what's going on in your lives. It's fantastic and amazing right now. So again, it's Sort of Awesome Show, or you can find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Sort of Awesome Hangout. Hey, awesomes. If there's one thing we are known for around here, it's sharing with you guys about the things that we've discovered that have changed our lives. And one of my favorite discoveries from the past year is my carry-on bag from Away. Now, how can a piece of luggage change your life? I know it sounds crazy, but the first time you've used one, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. For starters, all away luggage is made with premium German polycarbonate. It is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, perfect for people who are a little bit hard on things like I am. The interior of away bags features a patent pending compression system, so helpful when you tend to be a little bit of an overpacker. You guys, you have never used luggage this is easy to get around airports and just even in and out of your vehicle the way away bags do. And don't forget that both sizes of away carry-ons are able to charge all of your cell phones, your tablets, your e-readers, anything that's powered by a USB cord. Plus, all away bags come with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they will fix it or replace it for you for life. All away bags also come with a 100-day trial. And away offers free shipping on all orders within the lower 48 states. So, because we want you guys to get to discover and experience all the awesome of Away Bags, you can get $20 off of a suitcase, but you have to go to awaytravel.com slash awesome and use promo code awesome during checkout. That's right, $20 off of a suitcase when you go to awaytravel.com slash awesome 
Use promo code awesome during checkout. All right, Rebecca. <laughs> like I told you. <laughs> yes, yes, like yes. I told you before we started recording. We are just going to wind you up and just let you go with your enthusiasm. But let's talk first. First of all, I am so super curious about your own like just history with the Bachelor franchise. Did you start watching from the beginning? Did you kind of pick up midway through? Have you watched every season? Tell me your whole thing, your whole personal entwinement of your life in Bachelor Nation. Okay, I have watched a significant amount of seasons. I can't say that I have watched 100% every single season because I feel like there was probably some times during my college years where maybe I, I wasn't quite catching everything, but I really have watched a lot. I can't recall Tristan, uh, Trista, what's her name? Trista was the first Bachelorette. Yes, I can't recall her season. But I feel like I must have been there. Like, how was I not there for that? I don't know. Right. So some of the earlier seasons, I don't necessarily remember everything, but I've always loved the show. Whether or not I was actually catching everything, I feel like the seasons I didn't catch was more about the season of life that I was in rather than right. having like a falling out with the show. So here's why. Number one, I've always just really kind of liked reality television. I just... Do. I find it fascinating when you take just everyday ordinary people living their lives and just recording it. I just love that. And then I'm a huge romantic. I love a good romantic comedy. I love a good romantic drama. I love like the little butterfly feelings and like the warms and fuzzies of it all. I love the love of it. So when you combine that these are like actually real people. Yeah. And then the love aspect of it. I mean, I'm just like a sucker for it. So I've been watching for just years and years and years. And that's where it started. But I have to say that it has somewhat for me morphed into <laughs> maybe a deeper obsession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the real life people aspect of it and like the social experiment aspect of it has become even more important to me and even more at the front of my mind as I'm watching the show. Because you're not just taking like real life people and like watching on the show, but there's like all this stuff now that happens after the show with social media being part of it. It has like exploded into this whole new thing of people now like building their careers off of being on this franchise. And that whole aspect, and honestly, as somebody who considers herself a bit of a online entrepreneur of sorts. I find that part of it fascinating on just like a whole nother level, like a yes. whole other like business level and just life path level. And I mean, I could just go on and on. So my obsession for the show definitely started with just like, oh, this is fun. And I love love. And it since has morphed into something bigger of wow, this is so crazy. Just this whole social experiment of it all. And then what happens to them after the show? Right. There's a lot there. There is so much there. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning. So I was just looking at the original first season of The Bachelor with Alex Michael or Alex Michelle. I don't know. M-I-C-H-E-L. I don't know. I barely remember this. I did watch that whole season. So that's my history. Kyla and I were married. 
Kyle was coaching football. I was teaching. We didn't see each other very much. I watched a lot of TV back in those days. I totally watched the whole entire first season. I think a lot of us did because it was this brand new thing. Right. I mean, reality TV had been happening. Of course, we had the real world starting in the 90s and the sort of like spinoffs and those types of things. But this was the first big push towards like, we're going to really have an impact on a person's life trajectory because of this reality show. Right. And even to simplify it even a little bit more than just that, I feel like a lot of us maybe were coming on to watch The Bachelor because of maybe just the dumb reason that this was on regular network television, like regular broadcast television. I feel like reality TV at that time was something that was kind of the subculture of a cable television shows, shows, right? You know, like TLC and VH1 and MTV. And guys, I've never had full cable in my life. Like they don't offer. (laughs) I grew up in the country where they literally do not offer full cable. (laughs) That wasn't supposed to be so funny. (laughs) I don't know why it just struck me. I was just thinking about Rebecca out on the farm. No access to cable, but she had her network Well, TV. hey, yeah, when they brought The Bachelor. Yes. And that was like on ABC. I mean, that was like huge for me. It wasn't yes. something that like I just would catch like in the dorm at college. Right. This was something that I could have access to. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. I'm telling you, so the first season of The Bachelor premiered back in March of 2002. I want everyone who's listening to just stop and like assess where were you in life in 2002 and what kind of entertainment were you consuming? Because I think you're so right. In 2002, that era, like your network TV, that was the big thing. That was like a communal part, whether it was a reality show or a scripted show or a drama or whatever. Like this is what we all had that we could watch and talk about and enjoy together. So that was in 2002. So that was, again, Alex was the bachelor in I don't know if you remember this, but he had his two final ladies were Amanda Marsh, who he chose, and then Trista Wren, who was the runner-up. And then Trista went on to become the first Bachelorette, and her season came out in 2003. So it's been 15 years since the first Bachelorette came out. And here we are 15 years later, still talking about how this whole thing works. And I really am so glad that we are getting to really dig in and talk about this because, I mean, truly, Rebecca, from the beginning of Sort of Awesome, like even back in the earliest shows, you've been talking about your love for the Bachelor franchise. And we've kind of laughed about it and stuff and talked about how for some people it might be like, ugh, how? Why would you watch this? And then other people are fully in. I am here to fully confess and say I've done a bit of a 180. I know, Rebecca's quietly (laughs) celebrating. celebrating. I'm dancing over here. I won one to my side. (laughs) You've had more influence on my life than you know, because you also got me watching YouTube channels. And here I am actually sitting down and watching The Bachelorette. But I was one of those people that would be like, ugh, I watched the first few seasons of it. And I just thought this show is so demeaning to women. It's just so trashy. And so I did not have anything to do with it for years and years and years. Your enthusiasm, I trust your taste. You are a smart, savvy woman who super loved this. Our friends Knox and Jamie of the podcast also, I trust their taste. They also do a lot of Bachelor coverage. And I think as the internet and 
particularly like TV recapping became a thing. Right. Let's say in the past five, six, seven years. I mean, that's not how long the internet's been around, but especially the, the uprising of TV recapping being a whole genre right. of what you go to the internet for. I have seen so many of my friends who I do think are smart people that have great taste who have their favorite shows like this. And so it kind of like we start to talk about like, like what's wrong with us, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> How can you be smart, strong, social and like this trash? <laughs> I mean, I was actually not going to say that. Then. <laughs> I do think that it did make me pause and go like, why am I so opposed to this? So I kind of started getting I started dipping my toes back into it. And I was like, this is actually I mean, I get the appeal. It's very entertaining <laughs> if you're looking at it for entertainment. You know what I mean? Right. And this is like a legitimate question, right? I had somebody slide into my DMs, as they so <laughs> like to say on the show. <laughs> I had an awesome listener reach out to me and she asked me, I'm not trying to be snarky here. I'm so serious. How, as a feminist, can you watch this show? Like, I'm legit asking you, Rebecca. And I would call myself a feminist. I think there's a lot of my beliefs line up with, you know, women's equality and just all the things that can go into being a feminist. But I really, really do love this show. And so my answer to her was this. Yes, there are some things about the show that are problematic when you look at it as like one man and all these women like vying after him. And yes, red flags go up about that if you choose to think deeply about that. <laughs> and honestly, in a lot of ways, I just choose not to think deeply about it. <laughs> That's a big part of your process. Right. It's it just really not thinking. Is. <laughs> it really is. And I'll get to that. But for me, part of it like self-corrects because the problems that are there with The Bachelor, you then, oh, well, then we have The Bachelorette. So it kind of like evens itself out for me in some of those ways. Another aspect of it for me is that like, I don't look to all of my entertainment to match my moral standards. Ooh, interesting. Say more about that, because I have thoughts on that, too. I That's mean, good. okay, so I'm a feminist. I'm a Christian. I'm a simple woman in a lot of ways. But like, I don't need my shows to necessarily line up with absolutely everything that I believe. So there was a while where I was watching things on YouTube that I would not at all label as scandalous. I wouldn't. But I think that some of my friends or my family would maybe even be surprised to hear that I was watching it because it's so different maybe than what I believe. And on some level with that, it's an educational choice of mine of this is something that's popular. This is something that's happening in our nation. This is something that I am kind of in a bubble about. So I want to like expose myself to just kind of learn more about like, what is that life? What is that about? And also like, I think that a lot of people maybe grew up in a conservative home or a conservative mindset of, you know, we have to throw away all of our secular music. We can only listen to Christian music. I'm of the belief that we really can feel convicted in different areas and a stumbling block for one person might not necessarily be a stumbling block for somebody else. And right. I think that if we are all completely honest with ourselves, there is something that we are consuming, either music, books, television, whatever, movies, that probably wouldn't be shown in our Sunday school classrooms, right? 
I just don't need, I don't feel convicted like, ooh, this is bad. I shouldn't watch this. I just don't feel that way. It's just not an issue for me. That is super fascinating to me. As you were talking, I was thinking back to when I was in, I feel like this was high school, when NYPD Blue, which was an ABC show, like the Bachelor franchise, came out and there was a really controversial episode that involved nudity. (laughs) And I remember specifically, oh, here, I was looking up, it was in 1993. So I was definitely in high school when this controversy came out. I remember being in church and hearing from the pulpit in church a sermon like basically against NYPD Blue as a show. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there was probably a bigger point being made there about appropriate entertainment and whatever. Right. From my formative years, some of my earliest interactions with pop culture, whether it was TV or movies or popular books, a lot of it was informed by this sense of, well, a good Christian doesn't watch this bad show. Right, right. To be a good Christian, you don't consume this bad entertainment. Right. And it took me a long time to grow into the place where you're saying, Rebecca, I agree with you a lot that you don't necessarily always have to consume entertainment that is perfectly in line with your own personal moral standards. I mean, you all know I have talked about one of my favorite series ever that is so trashy and terrible, HBO's True Blood, is in no way, it's about vampires and (laughs) mystical creatures. And there is a lot of sex and a lot of nudity and a lot of bad stuff, people might say. But I think that I grew to a point where I realized I can consume this entertainment and it does not impact the life I'm living out. Does that right. make sense? I feel yes. like I'm not making yes. any sense. No, it does make sense. And I, just a disclosure here, I'm not trying to encourage anybody to, you know, branch out into something scandalous that they don't feel comfortable with. Right. Like, we exactly. are definitely not advocates yes. for all the Christians in the world to throw away their <laughs> <No>. convictions. <laughs> please don't put that on no, us. No, please do not. <laughs> but, like, I think that that idea of what is okay and what isn't okay is really just so personal. And we did hear a lot of teaching on that, I feel like, as we were growing up. I think we came from a similar culture in that. And Meg, you know that there were times early in Sort of Awesome Years where you and I had discussions where I was like, I'm not saying that I watch that show on the podcast. Right. Can't let people know about that. Yes. I mean, I don't feel like I'm not watching like, yeah. (laughs) I don't want to make it sound like I'm watching like (laughs) the devil's filth. Or dark net stuff. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. But I will say the Bachelor franchise is not necessarily ringing too many alarm bells or any alarm bells for me. Like, it's okay. Well, and I think, too, that what you said earlier is so key, is realizing where you have some sensitivities and some areas that are a struggle for you. Exactly. So. We will often talk about shows, especially in the Hangout group, because we often will have people, community members who ask, I need a new show to binge. What's good? And I think our community is so good about recognizing that different people have different sensitivities. I don't mind, and I'm quite fine with nudity and some sexual things and those types of things, but I cannot handle anything that deals with abuse or children being murdered or abducted. That's a personal sensitivity. Even if the overall overarching story is beautiful, fantastic storytelling, I know my own personal sensitivity. I cannot do it because it will disrupt my daily life. I will turn those thoughts over and I have a very 
strong anxiety trigger when it comes to my children and safety. So I have been able to draw a really strong boundary for myself that that kind of entertainment, while it may be totally fine for other people, like our friend Laura Tremaine can handle a lot of true crime stuff really well. I just know like I can't, no judgment for people who do enjoy all of that. I just know that my sensitivities make it to where I can't do that. So for all of us, whether it's a moral thing or a safety thing or just whatever, yeah, it's kind of a part of growing up and realizing, okay, this is what I was taught growing up, but now I'm a grown-up adult. What decisions am I going to make for my own self about entertainment? Yeah, and I think it's okay to disagree with things that you are seeing on the screen. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I don't expect every YouTuber that I watch regardless of what their content is, I don't expect them to have the same political views as I do. And it's not an issue for me if they express right. something different. And so to yeah. bring it back to the Bachelor franchise, I don't expect the Bachelor to have the same feminist viewpoints that I do. It's made up not only of an entire crew and production crew that might not match with what I think, but it also is made up with all of these individual cast members that have their own things going on. Yes. So one thing that I do to kind of balance out the problematic issues of the show is I do listen to a podcast that I would recommend for anybody who's falling into this camp of like, well, I'm like a strong woman and this show is crap. <laughs> oh, can I say crap? I just did. Yeah, you can say <laughs> okay. crap. That's fine. <laughs> I'm a strong woman and I'm not so sure I want to do this. Number one, don't watch. You don't have to watch. But if you want to, I would highly recommend listening to the podcast Here to Make Friends to kind of balance out what you're seeing on the show. Here to Make Friends is a podcast that I stumbled across. And at first, I just was not sure I was sold on them. They really kind of like hate watch the show a little right. bit. Yeah. Like it was at the beginning, I felt like it was a bit too much. I feel like they maybe have softened and maybe I've like softened to them. It's two women who would, you know, I would call them like maybe extreme feminists. At the end of every episode, they list out what they consider to be problematic things that have happened in the show. And they've obviously they've discussed a lot of it throughout the bulk of the show with all of their commentary. But then at the end, they listed it out specifically and they're like, hey, we're finishing with this. And then they rate it on a scale of one to five of how bad they deem that phrase, that statement, that action, whatever happened. And I feel like it's kind of a good reminder for me of, yeah, this isn't, I mean, again, I'm not looking at them to make these moral judgment calls for me, but it's good to hear that other perspective. And also they have some really good guests that come on the show, people who were previously on the Bachelor franchise. So they are one of my favorite podcasts now to listen to. It's, again, it's called Here to Make Friends, and it's perfect for somebody who feels like they need maybe a little bit of that balance of, yes. I'm not sure what this is doing for women. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. I'm going to have to check it out. Did They covered this Bachelorette season? Yes. I've been listening to them for a few seasons now, and they cover The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, bless their heart. Yes. <laughs> and so also, like when they are talking about these fails... They call them feminism fails, but they'll also like call out it on like behalf of men. So in like the men tell all that we recently just saw with Becca's previous season, you know, there was some like this shady, hurtful comment that was said to Colton concerning his virginity. And they like acknowledged that as like gotcha. feminism slash like humanity fails. Like 
hey, calling out this guy and saying that he's weak because he hasn't had sex, like, that's a fail. Yes. A feminism fail, a humanity fail. They're good. I like them. Oh, my gosh. Now I know what I'm going to be eventually listening to next for sure. Okay, so here we are. We just finished the season. Let's dig in. I know you have thoughts. This was my first season to fully watch. I have listened to and read recaps from the past Bachelor season, which was Ari's season, and then the Bachelorette before this, which was Rachel's Bachelorette season. So that's my current contemporary experience. But this is the first one. Now that we have YouTube TV, which comes with the DVR function, I recorded and watched all of these episodes. <laughs> so Rebecca, I don't even know. Where do we start talking about the Becca season of The Bachelorette? Okay, well, I feel like we can't talk about this without getting the elephant in the room acknowledged here, that there was some major scandal that happened that you might, for casual viewers of the show, you wouldn't necessarily have seen. I just have to say that last night's finale, if I had known nothing about any of these scandals, would have been an utter delight. But there were major things that happened outside the show that we have to talk about. Okay. So first of all, there was the cast member, Lincoln, and he had been accused of some kind of sexual misconduct, and he has been found guilty of that. And Uh somehow, through the background checks, they did not find that, and he made it on this show where he's supposed to be in this dating relationship, but yet he has sexually assaulted somebody. Oh, wow. Well, allegedly. But I believe after the show ended filming, he was... He was actually convicted. Yes. Now, I have heard that there's been, like, some talks about the legal process, and maybe that might be shifting a little bit. But he pretty much... This thing happened where he sexually assaulted somebody. So if you watch The Men Tell All you may have noticed that one of the most controversial figures in the show, Lincoln, was not there and was not acknowledged at all until the very end in the bloopers when you hear Chris Harrison say to a girl during filming of the debate episode that, hey, you're not going to learn anything here. Stay in school. The world is not flat. (laughs) Because he had commented during the season that he believes that the earth is flat. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, so Lincoln, that was controversial because he somehow slipped through the vetting process that, I want to talk about the vetting process here in a minute, but we'll go on with this conversation, that he had somehow kind of not, I mean, I don't know, it just happened. They cast him on the show, on this dating show, and yet he has this really troubling history. So yes, that was definitely a controversy, but not really, if you're not somebody who listens to podcasts, reads the recaps, reads the commentary. I feel like that's something that you wouldn't even have known about, about Lincoln, right? Right. No, no, you would not. And then the other thing that came out very early in the process of them, the shows being released, was that Garrett had followed some meme accounts on Instagram, accounts that made these memes about different political things. And he double tapped to hit like on several things that a lot of people, myself included, would find offensive. They were things that were racist, the things that were mocking school shooting victims. That one in particular was saying that school shooting victim was actually an actor and that it had not really happened. There were things that were calling out women's equality and women's rights, things about like children being thrown back over the wall, some things that 
would be problematic to mm-hmm. a lot of people. And he, in his Instagram history, was clicking like on these things. So what ended up happening was that Garrett deleted his account on Instagram, which would erase all of that. He restarted his account. And early on in that, he posted an apology on Instagram that everybody can look up. I believe it's still there. Or you can Google it. It certainly is there. Where he acknowledges that he was mindlessly double tapping and has learned that this is not the thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. His apology was one of those, I'm sorry people were offended kind of things. Yes. And we'll get more into the finale, but I feel like his apology in the finale was that way too. Yes. Now, if you had not watched or if you had not heard about this at all and you watched the episodes without listening to anything, without being in on Bachelor Nation news, I think that this season takes on a whole new light. And I would have been rooting for Garrett maybe the whole time. But then it becomes this whole other issue of this debate within Bachelor Nation of, well, do we hold people to their faults like forever and ever? What about allowing people second chances? What about allowing people the chance to grow and evolve and learn from their mistakes? And should we be happy for Becca? Should we not be happy for them? I mean, it's just a thing. It is totally a thing. It really is. Because like you said, the revelation of this Instagram drama and controversy, I feel like it was right as maybe like when they do the I don't know if it was before the first episode or in the build-up to the first episode. It was very early on. It really was. Made super clear, like, that this thing happened. And so if you, again, if you're a person who likes to read or listen to or find out all of the side stuff that you can participate in, besides just watching the weekly show, that's going to influence, like you just said, how you feel about that person. And here's Becca. She, they don't. This filming had already, it had wrapped. Like yes, everything was exactly. done. Yes, everything was finished. Yeah. So as you were watching the show, though, who ultimately did you think that she was going to pick? Do you watch the spoilers? I mean, or listen to spoilers? That's something that oh. some people are into. I am not into that. No, I don't do spoilers at all, for sure. Here's the thing. Like, I had two minds about it. Because on the one hand, I was like, oh, she's totally into Blake. She's definitely going to pick Blake. So... Blake and Garrett ended up being the two at the end. She had an interesting group to choose from anyway, but Blake and Garrett, okay. Now, Garrett did have, he got that first impression rose. He pulled up in a minivan. He obviously made a great first impression. At the end, one part of my mind was like, she's definitely into Blake. She's going to choose Blake. But then I felt like trying to be a little bit more critical about how everything was edited. Because although I don't watch... The Bachelor, I certainly have a long history with reality TV, too, particularly like Project Runway. I read commentary on that for years as I watched it, and I learned more and more about who's getting what edit. And as we got closer and closer to the end, I thought, oh, I don't think it's going to be Blake. I don't. So I wasn't fully surprised, although I was still a little bit heartbroken for him (laughs) because I was definitely team Blake. Well... I have some notes from the finale. So the okay, finale let's happened talk finale. as we're talking this about this, the finale had just happened last night. So yes. this is coming out on Friday. But first of all, I will say that at the top of the show, Chris Harrison says that this is going to be the most dramatic finale ever, which he <laughs> which, says 
every single season. <laughs> Does anybody actually believe Chris Harrison when he says these words? He says it every time. Every time. It's like in his contract. Like I he just has so. to say it. Yes. Okay, but this time he said that it's because of the most devastating breakup, the most emotional breakup that we've ever seen. And I was like, well, shoot, Chris. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Like you just told me. 100% without a shadow of doubt that it is going to be Blake going home because what have we learned about Blake? It's that he can't handle breakups. Yeah. He had this two-month-long relationship that completely broke him when it finished. Yeah. His mom driving up multiple times during the week to comfort his poor soul. Yes. Like, okay, we're comparing it to that versus comparing it to, again, two-month marriage breakup that Garrett had, and Garrett had said, well, he has said in an episode that he could count on maybe, like, one hand how many times he's been, like, down and, like, sad. About his marriage ending? No, in life in general. In life? Yeah. She was like, so, like, how do you handle yourself when, like, you're feeling, like, down and out? I and forgot he's like, about that. He's like, well, like, I don't get down and out. Like, I'm okay. I can maybe <sighs> count on, like, I don't know, like one hand times when I've been like really bummed out. Yeah. So like Chris Harrison, thanks for just spoiling it for anybody at the top of the show. And then as we moved into Garrett meeting with his family, I mean, there was like so much crying in this episode. And again, I kind of had this red flag here where I kept thinking back to that episode of Garrett saying that there was only a handful of times when he's really been down and out. Because in this episode, we learn that his mom battled cancer. His grandfather died from cancer. We already know that he's been divorced. Like, really? Like, you're like that, like, happy-go-lucky of a guy? You've had these really major things that have gone on. I don't know. It was just... ah. It's a question mark, for sure. It was a question mark. Like, this doesn't add up. Like, it's okay to, like, be sad about things. But then during Blake's date, he did an in-the-moment interview, which was fascinating, where... He said she's going to pick Garrett. Yeah. And I don't think that there has ever been a final two where the other one was like, I'm not getting picked. I know. Like, she's for sure. She's picking somebody else. And that was so heartbreaking in that moment for me. Yes. And hearing Becca say, it has been Blake since the beginning, and now I'm feeling guilty about Garrett. That was so revealing to me. She basically said that from the very beginning, she thought it was going to be Blake in the end. And then here she kind of got swept up and surprised by what was happening with Garrett. And I feel like that brought up something, at least in me, this idea of this being like a real true breakup for Becca. I mean, we often are so focused on life with the bachelor and whoever he picks or the bachelorette and whomever she picks and how that their relationship moving forward that we don't often give time to like pause and think about the emotions that they're processing is breaking up with somebody that many of them say they truly were in love with. Yeah. And something that I actually appreciated about Ari and his season was the acknowledgement that he was grieving the loss of Lauren some during his time with Becca. Like they actually talked about it. He said, I'm having a hard time. Like I miss Lauren. And I feel like that's something that obviously that went a crazy way with him ending up choosing her. But I feel like that's something that we don't hear 
that these people are put in this very crazy position to fall in love with multiple people and then they don't get to experience the breakups to the fullest. Yes. And I felt like she was in that moment when she was saying like, gosh, like it was supposed to be Blake. Like this was supposed to be easy. And now here I had everything like wrapped up and now it's just falling short. And I feel so bad about that. Yeah. I don't know. I just felt like that was really revealing moment. Okay. Do you mind if I interject something? No, please do. Okay. Because speaking of revealing moments and moments when it's kind of like jarring that you realize these are real people experiencing real emotions, because even if you're just sort of tangential to the Bachelor franchise, like most people who are familiar with pop culture at all know that a lot of what goes on in the show is sort of producer, what's the word? Not necessarily producer created, but maybe producer suggested Mm -hmm. (laughs) that there's a lot of producing that happens. But you do have these breakthrough moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, like I'm a highly empathetic person. So that jarring moment for me was in the Fantasy Suites episode. So our friends Knox and Jamie of the podcast, in their recaps, of the Bachelor and Bachelorette called the Fantasy Suites, where the couple can spend the night together if they choose to, the sex auditions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is hilarious. But when I was watching the Fantasy Suites of this particular season, you could just see the torment that Becca was going through in terms of the idea of having these really intimate moments with men that she had these complicated feelings for. She ended up sending one, Jason, home completely before the fantasy suite, even because you could just see that she knew for sure that she did not want to take that relationship with him to that level of intimacy. But you were talking about how the grieving process and dealing with the emotion of like a breakup while you're also supposed to be so happy. I had that moment of like, this is such an unnatural situation. Like the whole thing, of course, is ridiculously unnatural, of course. But really when it comes to spending the night with somebody and you're supposed to be doing this in the context of, is this somebody I would be compatible with and have chemistry with for the rest of my life? I don't know, Rebecca. I was just like that whole, I am not a prude. I just fully admitted that I watch shows that are super trashy. But in this particular season, It just was very, it was almost upsetting to me, not like on a morale, like I wasn't shaming anybody or morally judging anyone, just like, wow, this is a really huge thing. And they are in such an artificial context for sharing this in the same timeline with people and its ramifications for the rest of their life. I just, I had a really hard time with that part. I really did. Yeah. And it's really transformed the way that the show handles it. They're so much more open and talking about it now. I mean, this season we had, Colton the virgin and he was like expressing to Chris Harrison in what I consider a very producer driven moment when he was like I'm worried about the fantasy suites and Chris is like well like you just do what you want to do like there's no like <laughs> like rules yeah. here about what you do the idea of like sex being talked about so clearly did not happen years ago in this show oh no, right it was all kind of like well this is a chance for us to really get to know each other without the cameras being present. And I need to spend like more time. It was about time. It was about privacy. It was about being off camera. And it was not about a sex audition, which I'm sure it was like (laughs) happening. But I remember watching the show back in the day and being like, gosh, like, do you think that they really did have sex? (laughs) (laughs) Me too, Rebecca. 
Me too, because even though I am not a prude, I am wildly naive about a yeah. lot of things in life. And it was probably, you know, like I said, I watched the first few seasons. I did not think that they were actually having sex. No, I thought of they were not. just, you know, maybe fooling around. Right. But, <laughs> but then when I came back to the show all these years later and I hear Nux and Jamie saying sex auditions, and I was a fully grown woman married with children. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> What's happening? And then. I'm sure you read this in Bachelor Nation, a book that is kind of this expose tell-all, but even there's articles, I was doing a little research for this, and there was a 2015 article in the New York Post, somebody doing a tell-all talking about that there's a lot of sex happening before the fantasy suites, and there's a lot more steamy stuff happening off camera that does not get shown, but is definitely going on. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so wildly naive. I had no idea. Well, I mean, yes, there are definitely, there's this philosophy of needing to like, you know, kick the tires around and be sure you want to buy the car. I mean, there's definitely that mindset in our culture today. And so on one hand, like I can see how this happens. But then on the other hand, it's like, you know, these are visions and feelings and emotions that are going to be sticking with these people like forever. Yes. And that is a bit hard for me to wrap my brain around yes. that you just experienced this intimacy with somebody and now you've kicked them to the curb and you're supposed to just move on and be happy. It's a lot. I feel like people it's have no idea what they are signing up for. I mean, I guess, except they do and they have to. I was also reading another article and I think this was excerpted from the Bachelor Nation book where it talks about backstage, like this sort of pre-recording, what am I trying to say? The contestant selection process that they have to do these personality tests and they have to like sit in front of a panel of producers and answer questions and meet with a psychiatrist and they have to be tested for STDs. And if they come back with, you know, a not fully clean bill of health, then they're definitely not cast on the show. In this article, it was saying that for some of these, you know, would-be contestants, it was the first time they even knew, they found out that they had an STD because they had to be tested for the show. Like the show producer was like, you have to call your doctor. I have no <laughs> words. I mean, it's just, it really is just kind of a crazy scenario. Well, but so I'm just saying, after going through all of that to become a contestant on the show, I think you have to have it somewhere in your mind that this would be a possibility. But I mean, who knows? You don't know what it's going to actually be like right. until you're living it out. It's one thing for us to sit and comment on it and think about and project what we would do or what we wouldn't do. But we certainly haven't been in that situation as human beings. Right. And one thing that I have heard consistently from people who make it far is that nobody goes on it expecting to make it far. And so nobody thinks like they think, oh, well, this is going to be a fun adventure. You know, maybe I'll travel. I'm going to gain some Instagram followers. Like maybe it'll turn into something like that. But I mean, the odds of me being in the final two, in the final four of like really, truly developing feelings for somebody, I think that nobody, they just don't expect that it's actually going to be them. That makes sense. And I think there's also so much power in the seclusion of it all. Mm. And they just have tunnel vision yes. on the lead. And so where some people feel true love in the seclusion of the experience, once they come out on the outside and they're able to look at it with fresher eyes, it's different, you know, like it's just a fascinating social experiment. It just really is. Yeah. Now to bring it back to Becca and Garrett, 
I was <laughs> I was not so impressed that she chose Garrett when I saw Blake come off the boat first. Yes, girl. Uh, I was like, oh, it's happening. I hoped it wouldn't, but I it's know. happening. She's going to pick Garrett. I literally said, no. <laughs> and again, it's not because I didn't like the Garrett that I saw on the show, but it's right. because of the revelations about Garrett off the show that made me question it all. So, but when she was saying goodbye during the, like after the final Rose portion, when she was talking with Blake during this segment, I thought she did a really interesting job because she still, she seemed so comfortable. She Mm -hmm. seemed so sure of herself and there didn't seem to be any animosity at all coming from her to Blake. Oftentimes what you will see in that segment is you'll see the lead directing a lot of their answers almost back to Chris and like looking back to Chris a lot. And I don't know if that's often because they're looking to Chris to like moderate and like he's leading and they're nervous. And so they just keep looking to him or if it's like a body language thing where they are distancing themselves from whatever negativity that they are feeling from their second choice person. But she gave Blake a lot of eye contact and really like stuck with him. And I feel yeah. like that was really notable. She just seemed so confident, comfortable, and sure of herself. But when he asked her, was there any point, what was it that pushed you to Garrett? She like straight up gave him an answer. Okay, yeah. And she said that when I thought about how we would handle conflict together down the road, if somebody got sick, if something happened to one of our children, I was a little concerned about how you get in your head Mm. dealing with bad times. And often, I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard a lead give like a specific thing, like this is actually what it was. What we hear so often from leads in those moments is pushing it more towards the person that they picked, where they say, what I had from you was real. This wasn't just in your head, like there were significant feelings there. But at the end of the day, when it came down to who I had a stronger connection with, who I couldn't see myself living without, I just had to go with this other person. And it's always so abstract. I don't know, I've ever heard somebody say all of that. Plus, there was this specific flaw in you. (laughs) I know. I felt really bad for Blake in that moment. I mean, I was so torn because like, I understand where she's coming from. But also to hear that on national TV, I just was like, oh, this is painful. He's going to replay that. That is going to stick in his mind so much. And I got to tell you, Becca was receiving some major, major flack for that on social media last night. On Twitter, people were saying that she was shaming his mental health. And Mm. that turned into like this whole thing. It was just really fascinating. And of course, there are going to be maybe some specific things, you know, like maybe it's your political views. Maybe it's whatever. Yeah, maybe it's your anxiety is just like too much for me. But to hear her say that. I know. You never hear them say that. I didn't like that at all. Oh, yeah. I really felt bad for Blake. (laughs) Poor buddy. But then Garrett comes out. They look so happy. Oh, yeah. They do. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And they go through all the 
interview process with Chris and then they kind of end with acknowledging. So what about those likes on social media? How has that been going for you guys? How are you handling it? How are you feeling? Did you ever think that this could actually end you? And I have to say that Becca was amazingly supportive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She said all the things that you would want somebody to say that to stand by your side. Yeah. But what did you think about how Garrett handled that and his apology? I didn't like it at all. And I again, I don't know how much of this was producer led, how much he had been coached either by the producers or maybe even a third party like sort of publicity fixer. So granted, there could not have been a third party publicity <laughs> fixer in this <laughs> apology. No. If so, that he needs his money back. I know. It was still the I'm sorry, people were offended. I mean, there was never an acknowledgement like, of course, those posts were racist and conspiracy theorist. And I have no, you know, I don't even know what would have been a good apology, except to like, say, the things that I liked on Instagram were wrong. Right. Not, I'm sorry, people were offended by these secret beliefs that I have. I meant no harm. Apology. Yes. Yeah, I meant no harm. Of course, you meant no harm. You're liking pictures on Instagram. The fact of the matter is, is that at some point in your life, as you're scrolling Instagram, and it wasn't just like a few, there was a lot. At some point, you were like, yeah, I'm gonna like that. I believe this wild conspiracy theory, or I believe this totally racist thing. Or I just think this is really funny. Or it's really funny. Exactly. And it's, of course, not funny. What was interesting is that he Mm. did acknowledge Becca's beliefs and said during the interview that this has been hard because this doesn't line up with how Becca, her core values. I know. But he didn't really acknowledge his. And I don't know. So it's part of that, like him just being nervous. Yeah. It being live television. You would have to think that he had months to prepare for this moment. So I don't know. It definitely was a weak apology. It was weak. I'm sorry. You were offended. I didn't like it at all. I didn't. And again, he didn't own it. No, he didn't. He did not acknowledge the wrongness of it, which is not even, I feel like the things that he liked even go beyond the realm of like political beliefs. It's one thing. I don't know. I feel like that some of the beliefs that he seemed to have held at that moment in time, based on his social media use, are just kind of contrary to like human decency in general. Exactly. Regardless of what your political beliefs are. So I don't like that. So then the question is, do you hold him to this? Do you allow him to like move on and grow from it? Based off of his apology, I would say that he's not matching up. Yeah. But, you know, I wish him and Becca the best. <laughs> he has growing to do, maybe. I can't imagine what it would be like to have. I mean, this is the whole thing. I can't imagine it. Do you have guesses for who the next Bachelor is going to be? Well, I mean, I would love it to be Peter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So Peter was the runner-up from Rachel's Bachelorette season. Oh my word, I would love for it. Yes, I would love for it to be Peter. And I have to say that Chris Harrison must have amnesia because the Rachel-Peter breakup was the most devastating emotional breakup. Not this thing with Blake. I mean, yes, Blake was like sobbing and sad. But that breakup, she cried off her lashes, girl. I I mean, it was bad. And then he walked past them in the hallway for days. Ugh. Yes, so I would love it to be Peter. I think that Blake and Jason are in the running. I have heard that Ben Higgins has been approached as possibly doing it again. Hmm. I don't know that he's ready, but 
who do you want? I could see Peter. I think he's a very interesting, charismatic person, and I think he could be a great bachelor. If they pick from this one, I wonder if they would go with Blake because there was a lot of emotion there. And that's, I feel like something that we generally haven't seen in The Bachelors. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I think that a lot of people like Jason, and Jason actually does kind of seem more like Bachelor material. I don't know. Just his whole thing. I don't know. I think he could carry a show. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. So I guess we'll see. All right. I know you've talked about Here to Make Friends as being a great podcast. I've kind of loosely referenced, and you've talked about even on the show prior to this episode, Bachelor Nation, the book, the tell-all book. What other resources come to mind for people who just can't get enough of this Bachelor Nation talk? Yes. So Bachelor Nation is by Amy Kaufman, and she's a journalist, and she does a fantastic job at really digging deep into everything Bachelor Nation related. I would say the beginning of the book starts a little bit slow where she talks about the history of reality TV dating shows. And so if you wanted to skip those sections, you certainly could. But there's a lot of good nuggets in that book, Bachelor Nation. Here to Make Friends is perfect podcast for your feminist needs. After Buzz TV. Oh, I love them. Yeah. They do series. They have separate podcasts for The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor Paradise. So you have to look and subscribe to all three if you want all of them. Their hosts rotate a lot, and some of them are better than others, in my opinion. They're more of a recap show, yes. but also will share their commentary. Occasionally, they have some really good guests, and so that's helpful. I will say that Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow, that's a podcast. Caitlin was a previous bachelorette. She, in general, I don't listen to her podcast much, but she did a two-part series with Chris Harrison, and it was fascinating. Really? Yes, it was so good. Those two episodes came out in March. So you have to scroll back a little ways. But her interview with Chris Harrison, it was so vulnerable. Both of their parts. She really got real about she was denied being put on Dancing with Stars after her season. And they talked about that and how much that just really hurt her. And she felt like that was stolen from her. They talked about whether or not they're going to have a TV wedding. And then just like Chris's backstory, it was really, really good. That's so interesting. Chris Harrison is not somebody I find fascinating at all. So I am super interested to hear that now. It was really good. And then I've talked before, too, about the Reality Steve podcast. Now, Reality Steve is known for spoiling the Bachelor franchise. It's kind of like his whole thing. But he also has this podcast where he will interview previous contestants. And again, it's like a whole deep dive. It's as if each one of them wrote a memoir about their time on the show. That's what you're getting in podcast form with each of these people. And I really, really like some of those interviews. You can pick and choose like who you have an interest in. Now, he does do some spoilers. So I tend to not listen in like real time. Like I don't want to hear any of his interviews in case there's spoilers while the show is coming out. And so I keep them and then listen to them later. Also, I have tried Will You Accept This Rose podcast. I don't like it. Uh-huh, okay. Just going to throw that out there. I've tried Bachelor Party. I don't really like that one as much either, but she does have some interesting guests. And I have tried the Almost Famous podcast with Ben and Ashley I. And again, I don't really like that one either. Their transitions into ads is so obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't 
handle it. So those last three are just for like the super fanatics who are like, oh, is she going to say like my favorite podcast? Well, those are the three, honey, that I just am not so into. So if those are your favorites, that's okay. But I've tried them and I don't like them. Oh, my goodness. There you go. Yes. So much good stuff. There's so much out there if you want to extend your Bachelor Nation experience. Oh, my goodness. Is there a lot to turn to for sure? So fun. Okay, Rebecca, remind everybody if they want to have any kind of follow-up conversation with you about anything, Bachelor, reality, TV, all of those things, or if they want to talk about zucchini recipes, where can we find you all around the web? Well, my blog is simplyrebecca.com, where I talk a lot about homemaking, parenthood, saving money, things like that. And then you can find me, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Simply Rebecca. Awesome. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. Don't forget that the show is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And you can find us any time of the day or night on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.